Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. And joining me is Ross Dove. He's the CEO of Heritage Global. Good morning, Ross. Good morning and thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, so Ross, for those that aren't familiar with Heritage Global, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Not the full slide deck, but just a quick overview. All right. So Heritage Global trades on the NASDAQ. It's about an 11-year-old company that has a heritage that dates back 80 years to my grandfather founding a regional auction company. Heritage today is in two business lines, industrial assets and financial assets. An industrial asset, it operates as an auctioneer, as a broker, as a valuer, and as a principal where we actually take title to assets before we auction them on occasion. On the financial asset side, there's a 25-year-old brokerage called National Loan Exchange that sells charged-off loans. Started with credit cards and auto loans, traditional charge-off loans, now moved into kind of the new age of loans, fintech loans, buy-now-pay-later loans. And then there's a newer entity, two years old, that's called Heritage Global Capital, which is a niche lender, a specialty lender to people that buy charge-off uh, portfolios. So that's in a nutshell who we are. Five consecutive years of profits, growing, and uh, pretty proud of the team here. Very good. Very good. So out of the two businesses, is there one that's more dominant in, in terms of uh, size or, or growth? So for a long time, financial assets was making more money than industrial assets, but the pandemic kind of flipped the switch there. What happened during the pandemic is industrial assets, used equipment in general, sold at a very large premium because in the pandemic, the supply chains got very clogged and the demand for used equipment was heightened, um, primarily because you could buy it now and you could get it now delivered versus these six and nine month and one year waiting periods. So industrial assets flourished in the pandemic. Simultaneously, the pandemic put a lot of pressure on the volume and financial assets. What happened with financial assets, because we specialize in charge-offs, delinquency rates went way down because of the stimulus checks, and simultaneously, the pandemic kept people at home, not outspending, not charging. Now, we're kind of back in business on both sides of the business, so now I think it's pretty much an even race who's gonna make more next year. They're both growing, and they both have very, very strong tailwinds. So we expect them both to be highly profitable and lucrative the next few years. Very good. And, and I'm sure they're, they're both going after some pretty large markets. And so there's, there's got to be competition. So w where do you fit in with that competition in terms of size, do you think? And, and, and what's your secret sauce? Well, our secret sauces were way more handsome than the other guys. But <laughs> as far as size goes, um, we really don't compete with a $6 billion Ritchie Brothers on the industrial side because they're really selling outside the building, transportation assets, yellow iron, green iron, agricultural and construction assets. We're inside the building selling manufacturing assets. So the people we're competing against are pretty much mostly our size and smaller. There's about 60 boutique firms that are industrial auctioneers. So we think we fare well heads up with the competition there. On the financial asset side, we don't really look at the big guys as competition because we're not in the CMBS market. 
We're not in the performing loan market. We're really kind of at the bottom end selling the hardest to sell assets. So because we're kind of chasing the tail end of financial assets, I think our position bodes well there too. Okay. And then who are your customers? And I'll reiterate, we're the best looking guys. Oh, well, that even comes across uh, on the podcast. On the phone. All right. Perfect. So, so who are your customers? So my customers on the industrial side are a lot of SMB, small and medium-sized businesses that are looking for the advantage of buying fairly new equipment at a deeper discount. So my customers as a seller could be a Pfizer, who's one of our largest customers. It could be a Genentech. It could be a Halliburton. It could be a Fortune 500 company. My customer as a buyer is usually a smaller company that wants to take advantage of the price point of getting the equipment used. On the other side, my customer as the seller on the financial asset side is a bank, um, primarily a, a, a lender. It could be an auto lender. It could be a fintech lender. It could be a lending club. It could be a PayPal. It could be a Bank of Missouri. So that would be the seller. The buyers on that side are primary collection agents. Okay. Are you industry agnostic or do you tend to, to play in certain industries? On the financial side, we play in pretty much every kind of consumer charge-off. So it doesn't matter to us if it's an auto loan. It doesn't matter to us if it's a real estate loan, if it's a credit card loan, or if it's a fintech peer-to-peer -peer loan or a BNPL loan. What really matters to us is we focus primarily on delinquencies and selling charge-offs where we have a built-in buyer base. On the industrial side, our largest sector currently is pharma. But uh, my grandfather taught me a long time ago, he said the secret to this business is to learn how to sell peanuts when the circus is in town. So with that said, there was a long time where we were the biggest solar auctioneer. There was a long time where we were a large personal computer auctioneer. If the defense industry lets go of a lot of assets, we'll be a defense industry aerospace auctioneer. So all manufacturing sectors, but it goes in shifts and cycles when there's a lot of assets available. So right now, pharma would be number one. Okay. And so how are you reaching these various customers? What's your, your marketing channel? So basically, we have a very uh, long database from history in the business. So we're using that database. We have outreach through emails. We have lots of different marketing campaigns. We have a very active website that people readily go to to bid. So we have a pretty strong following in all the sectors we're in. So finding the buyers is really not that big a challenge to us after 50 years in business. We really kind of know who the buyers are, where the buyers are, and what they want. So it's really a matter of garnering supply. And the more supply we get, the more buyers we get. So it basically is an holistic system. Get more sellers and you'll have more buyers. Okay. Do you, do you have any partners funneling that? We partner with many different companies. We pay referrals sometimes, but we have our own business development sales force, and primarily we're driving our own revenue. Okay. And, and so you have a number of sources of revenue. Do you have all the, the sources that you're looking for, or, or are you looking to acquire or, or start new ones? We did an acquisition last year because we thought that American lab trading would be very valuable to us because as the market is moving into a real ESG 
uh, movement, we knew that a lot of companies were concerned with not putting assets in landfill and making sure they could recycle and repurpose them. So it was a very strategic acquisition, but also a bolt-on acquisition. We're not looking at any major large-scale acquisitions. If we see a bolt-on acquisition of somebody that we think would be accretive, where we could help them and they could help us, our eyes are always open. But don't think of this as really an M&A-founded company. This is really an organic growth company where our DNA is building the businesses we're in. Okay. And in, in terms of headwinds and tailwinds for the business, is it, a, is it a, a weak economy that helps you or is it more sector by sector that helps you? So it's kind of confusing because it doesn't matter the definition of weak economy if what you're talking about is the Dow going down or basically there being a problem with rising real estate mortgages. Those aren't what really impacts us. What impacts us more than anything is when there's a lot of seam of change. So seam of change could happen in a recession where there's a lot of bankruptcy and it gives us a lot of assets and floods the market with the stuff to sell. But seam of change can happen in a very bullish M&A economy where there's a lot of acquisitions because acquisitions a lot of times create surplus assets. So a great economy can work for us and a bad economy can work for us. We get sometimes we struggle when there's no supply in what I'll call kind of a confused economy where lenders aren't really lending and people aren't really selling assets, they aren't really modernizing plants, and it gets static. So any kind of action works for us. Okay. And then what's a, a gating factor towards inhibiting further growth? Is, is it your ability to scale? Is it, is it in, in terms of labor-intensive or, or what? So, I mean, you know, there's two kinds of growth. There's growth that we get through market share, and then there's growth that we get through the macroeconomy producing more auctions. So on market share, I think we're holding our own. I think that we get growth, you know, by the market overall market growing. Our lending business is rapidly growing because we just started it. So there's lots of legs in our lending business. And ultimately, there's a world full of surplus. So there's surplus all over the world, and there's a growing need now to monetize that surplus and not let it go into the landfill. And as the need to monetize that surplus grows, we grow with it. So we're not talking about exponential growth. What we're talking about is we think a solid half decade of steady growth. Okay. So you guys have been around a long time. In terms of now, is, is there anything different about you know, why now? Well, you're talking to a guy who got disintermediated by the Internet when you say, why now, in a long time. I grew up uh, running around with a ladder calling bids with a microphone long before there was an Internet. So the world changed for me about 25 years ago when uh, everything went online, and it's changed progressively ever since. So, you know, for an old auctioneer, this is, this, the new world started a long time ago. Okay. And in terms of how you make money, I think you mentioned you have several sources. Can you give us a, some of the flavor of the revenue model? Right. So on the auction side, we make money both fee-based, where we do an auction and charge a fee for services, which is basically a commission. We charge that a lot to the buyer as a buyer's premium. But also on that side, we're a trader. So if somebody is a smaller company or a financially distressed company or someone who just doesn't want to go through the process of having an auction, 
we'll go in and we'll write a check. And if we write a check, obviously, we're at risk, or, or at least it's defined as being at risk. And so we sell the assets for profit or loss. We, generally speaking, make a lot more money doing that because we know the asset value so well. So that's on that side. We also have an appraisal company that's 100% fee-based that works for people like J.P. Morgan, like PNC for large money center banks that does appraisals, and that's fee-based. American Laboratory Trading is primarily a trader. Almost everything that they sell, they've bought, they've refurbished, they've repurposed, and they've got it ready to sell at a profit. So that's on the industrial side. On the financial side, we would never compete with the people that buy from NLEX. So we're a pure broker. We only act as an advisor and sell the assets on their behalf. We don't compete with our buyers. However, simultaneous to that, we're always open to the people that we've qualified and pre-qualified and onboarded to being their lender. So we're making money fee-based on a commission basis, or we're making an interest spread as a primary lender to those buyers. Okay. So what have I failed to ask you that, that you want people to know? Uh, why they should buy the stock. Isn't that the kind of primary reason we're here? Go ahead. So here's why you buy the stock. You say this company made $6 million before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit and it went down to $4 million in profit because obviously we were hit by a lot of factors we couldn't control. This year we came roaring back. We've told everyone um, that guidance is, is, is going to exceed $9 million. Guidance is going to exceed $9 million. We think all five platforms are in growth mode, and we think they're going to stay in growth mode for the near term and hopefully the long term. And we think now is a great entry point to jump on board of HGBL. And proof to the pudding is we have a buyback program in place because uh, we're putting our money where our mouth is, and we believe it. Very good. So as we monitor the company over, let's say, the next 12 months, uh, are there any events or milestones or things that we should watch for, or is it just block and tackle? I think in the end of the day, you can always look at our quarters, and you can always see the growth, and you can get confused if you think it's always going to be like a software as a services business and have sequential quarter over quarter growth. You're going to see spikes because a part of our business is transactional. So the best way to monitor it is to be the kind of investor that wants to be in a company multi-year and look at us um, by what we're doing every half a year, not every 90 days, because every 90 days can mislead you. Um, so that would kind of be my advice. If you're looking for to be a trader and get in one week and get out the next, then Heritage is probably the wrong place for you. If you're looking for a two- or three-year commitment to watch us do something, then welcome on board. Well, very good. Well, uh, Ross, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing the Heritage Global story. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we're always around and always available, so check in whenever you want, and have a great day. Thank you.